0: Today's episode is called Die on This Hill. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. you've heard the term, I'm not going to die on that hill. We typically use it when we are trying to say to someone, you know, listen, I, I understand what you're saying. I can see that you're pretty wound up about something. I know that this is important to you, but this is not a cause that I'm willing to give my time, my talent, my treasure, my effort to, you know, I'm just not going to die on that hill. Do what you want. Seems like a waste of time to me, but I'm not going to die on that hill. The truth is a lot of us don't have a hill at all. It's pretty easy to fall into complacency. (laughs) We say things like, you know, you go ahead and do what you want. That's not my business. I I don't care. Nothing I do is gonna change anything anyway. Why does it even matter? Listen, I don't want to hear about it. And in essence, what we're saying is, I just want to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm gonna go on my own way. I wanna deal with my own issues. Your issues are bigger, or that issue is bigger. I don't want to hear about it. That takes too much of my time that might upset me. I don't want that to happen. I am better off knowing nothing. Ignorance is bliss. But is it? Is it really true that ignorance is bliss? Or at the end of our days when we stand before the throne of God, is God going to say to us, Hey, why didn't you do anything about that? I gave you all the tools that you needed. I made you aware of what was happening. Why didn't you hop in? A lot of times we're not willing to hop in and we're not willing to make something a hill that we're willing to die on until something tragic happens. Mothers Against Drunk Driving was started after Candy Lightner's 13-year-old daughter Carrie was killed by a drunk driver. What hadn't been on her radar became her sole purpose to try to educate others and to have laws made so that other people didn't have to go through the pain that she was experiencing. Patty Wetterling was in the same same boat. When her son Jacob Wetterling was abducted, she became an advocate for child safety, and she tirelessly worked so that other people didn't have to go through what she was going through. Mordecai told Esther, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from some other place. But who knows that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Esther wanted to sit on the sidelines. And it wasn't that she didn't see a need. She saw Mordecai made her aware of what was going on. Her people, the Jews, were going to be slaughtered. They were on the bullseye, and there was not a whole lot that was going to save them. But God had raised her up to be queen. And so Mordecai saw that and said, Listen, Esther, you're in a position to do something, much more so than any of the rest of us. You've got to go to the king. And she said, Hey, I can't do that. It's against the law. He said, Forget about the law. Someone has to go, and why not you? Most of us know the stories of people like Schindler and the Ten Booms and Bonhoeffer who lived through the Second World War. They were in positions in the Netherlands or Germany to actually do something to make a difference. They helped to rescue Jews. In Bonhoeffer's case, he tried to get the Christians and the churches to speak out against Hitler and all that the Nazis were doing, and he worked tirelessly to do it. In fact, he was able to escape. He went to London— He went to America for a time, but he realized that his place was in Germany. He needed to be there to help with this war and to help educate people and to continue to encourage them to not accept what was going on. For each of these people, they were just one of many, many people behind the scenes, the underground network that were making a difference to try to stop the evil that was going on. What hill are you willing to die on? We all see the news stories, the headlines, the craziness. You can't go anywhere without people talking about it, right? What is this world coming to? Oh man, I don't even know what's going to happen next. Did you see what happened? Wow. Well, let me suggest that there's one hill we should all consider making our hill. And that is actively expanding the kingdom of God. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus was saying, look, you can work for a lot of things on earth and those, are, those can be good things. But work to store up treasures in heaven. And what are those treasures? Those are the souls of people that come to know Jesus because of you. That is your treasure. That is something worth working towards and worth having as your hill to die on. Because, listen, Satan isn't going to stop warring for souls. And I'm suggesting we shouldn't either. I recently watched a uh, documentary that was – Oh, it was so hard to watch. Um, it was basically saying how you can destroy a democracy, how you can pull it down. And there was there was a lot to it. I'm not going to get into a lot of it because it gets political, and that's not my objection right now. But let me tell you just a few things that were key. Some of the key things were to destroy families because strong families make for good um, communities. But if you destroy the families and you do that by taking the father out of the situation. So and you do that by taking the mother out of it. Make the mother feel discontented to raise children to be at home. Make the father discontented to be with one woman. Make um, sexual uh, perversity the norm instead of what it is sexual perversity. Don't don't stay with one person. make pornography, you know, just common. destroy marriages destroy families, and destroy the church. Make it seem like the churches are obsolete. They're archaic, what do they know? They, they aren't useful at all anymore. Just put those away, go away, they, they're not useful. Well, if we do that, not only will democracies fall, but people will lose their faith. And we're already seeing this, right? 50% of marriages at least are failing. Fewer and fewer people don't identify as Christians. Fewer people are going to church. Fewer people see a need or a reason to go to church. The Bible is looked at as some old book that has no meaning, no relevance to us today. Listen, we can combat this, not just to preserve democracy. That's that's a good hill to stand on, but but because we want to store up for ourselves treasures in heaven and because we have what people need. Listen, anxiety is through the roof. Suicidal ideology is through the roof. Um, People are isolated. People are feeling hopeless and helpless. We have answers. We know how you can have peace. We know that you are not alone. Jesus is with you at all times. We know we have access to a Father in heaven who can control anything around us. We have answers. So the question I have for you is, are you ready to go to battle? Are you, like David, discontent to sit on the David came to see his brothers. They were at war. They were in the army. His father sent him to brought him some food and that type of thing. And he was sitting there, and here comes Goliath, and he's just defiant. And he's putting down God, and he's putting down the Israel army. And David said, Who is this? Why are you guys just sitting here quaking? I'll go fight him. And his brothers right away said, "You know, (laughs) Would you stop it? Who do you think you are? And David, you know, he just said when he went to King Saul, he's like, Look, I've been in circumstances before where there was a lion, there was a bear. in both times God was with me. This guy's no different. I don't want to sit on the sidelines and just shake. I want to be part of the war. I want to do what I was made to do. Mordecai said to Esther, And Mordecai is saying to us, listen, you were made for such a time as this. What can you do to shape the culture? What can you do to speak up to make sure people aren't sitting in their homes with no hope, not knowing what to do, not knowing where to turn? Right now you might be going, hey, look, I don't know what that would look like. And I'm sitting here looking at you saying, I don't know either. I don't know what your role is, but I know that you have one. Maybe it's going to be as a tutor in an inner city. Maybe it's going to be as a counselor at a pregnancy center. Or maybe you need to teach a Bible study in your neighborhood. Maybe you're going to start a newsletter or a prayer prayer change or a mom's group or a podcast or a blog. Maybe you're going to write a book. I don't know how God is going to use you, but I know that when you find your why, you will be motivated to do something. When your why is Proverbs twenty-four, eleven, which says, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. When you read that and you know that's your why, you're going to want to do something. You're going to want to do whatever it is that God is preparing you and God has purposed you to do. This is my hill, and this is the hill I'm suggesting you take as your hill. Why? Because Jesus died on a hill, and he said it's finished here. You don't have to feel that anxiety. You don't have to feel unloved because I love you enough to die for you. You don't have to feel the shame of all the things that you have done Because I've taken all that away. You don't have to feel that there is nothing to look forward to when you look around at the headlines and you see what's going on in this world because I've prepared a place for you that's out of this world. And someday you won't be here anymore, and I want you to be with me. Jesus said, whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake we'll find it guys it's worth forsaking our complacency it's worth giving up some of our netflix time or some of our you know reading time our magazines and our fiction books and the fun things that we like to do it's worth giving up some of that to be a warrior in god's army hudson taylor said god's work done in God's way, will never lack God's supplies. He's saying, look, if God brings you to it, he's going to equip you to do everything he needs you to do. So you're not going to be standing on the sidelines going, well, I would teach a Bible study, but I don't know how to get started. Or I don't think I know enough about the Bible. Or I don't know if I'm supposed to be a teacher. I think there's a lot of people who can teach really well, but it's not me. You know what? I was saying that same thing 15 years ago, 16 years ago, 17 years ago, whatever. I told my pastor, I could never teach the Bible. I'm not a teacher. I will write studies, and you find somebody to write them. And he said, Amber, you can teach us. I said, no, I can't. I'm not a teacher. You know what? I asked several leaders of the church to pray for me because my pastor kept pushing me. I couldn't eat for a week. I was so nervous to get in front of people, and that first— Saturday, when I stood in front of a group of woman, women, I found a love for teaching that I never knew I had. God answered those prayers, and he did through several people and through several experiences. I had such a lovely group of women who were just happy to be around God's word, and they were super kind to me and they, we learned together and um, they were very non-judgmental and they just wanted a leader, someone to say, this is what we're going to study and here's the research I'm doing. Now let's all get together and talk about it and let's encourage one another and let's learn together and figure it out and, and we'll look through some commentaries. And have you heard something from your pastor or have you read something from somewhere else? Bring it all. Let's discuss it and let's just see if we can edify one another. Maybe you want to start that newsletter and you go, but who, who's going to read it? I don't know. Maybe it will only be four or five friends. But maybe you will encourage four or five people who need that encouragement more than you could ever imagine. And maybe those four or five people will pass it on to one of their children or to their elderly neighbor or to someone else and it will make a difference to them. Just be faithful, creating that newsletter for the 4 or 5 or the 10 or the 20 or the 100. Maybe you don't know how to write a book. And you don't know if anybody will ever read the book. Just start writing the book. Or call somebody or email somebody and say, I've got an idea. How do I do this? Do you think this is worth exploring? And then go where they would have you go you don't need to do everything, just do something. And I learned something super valuable a long time ago. Many years ago, my mother quit coming to my events. So when I first started speaking, she would always be there, you know, and uh, then I started traveling a little bit more, and it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, she wasn't able to join me. And a lot of times, quite honestly, in those early days, she was babysitting my children so I could go somewhere. But she would always tell me, Amber, I am at home praying for you. And I realized early on that that is as valuable as anything else. So you know what? Maybe you're not going to start the newsletter. And maybe you're not going to start the Bible study. And maybe you're not going to write the book. But you know what you could do? You could encourage that Bible study teacher. You could pass the newsletter on. You could help the other person who is writing the book. You could encourage other people to write it. There is a role for all of us. It's just like I said, in that underground network of people who were helping the 10 Booms and Schindler and Bonhoeffer, there were many, many people who we don't know their names. They all had super important jobs, just like the Apostle Paul. When you read his letters, when you read the book of Acts and you find out where he was going and what he was doing, he wasn't doing anything alone. There were always people by his side and there were a whole lot of people who were praying for him in all the congregations that he established. So we all have a role. But let's make sure that we've made God's kingdom the most important thing that we're about. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek God's kingdom first. You seek it out, you study the Bible, but then also let's not just leave it there. You know the good news. Find someone to share it with. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. I can't tell you how blessed I feel to have the opportunity to talk to you each week. Your continued prayers and support are appreciated. And if you're willing, please share, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you so much.